How's it going, everybody, and welcome back. Over the Top is back after going a couple weeks incognito. You can thank the flu and the lack of work-life balance for that. Definitely my fault, not you, Justin. Uh, we're here recording just as Premier League is put on pause as the 2022 World Cup, I can't believe I'm saying this, is right around the corner. First match on Sunday. Just, it, it feels so weird that it's cold outside and that's happening, but... So be it. Here we are. Um, I've already blocked off some of my work calendar for the USA Wales match on Monday, just a week from now. Crazy. Justin, how you doing, man? Crazy. I, you know, obviously lots of storylines surrounding this World Cup, but for the actual soccer games themselves, I'm very much looking forward to it because U.S. hasn't been in it since we were in college. Let's think about that for a second. True. <laughs> disaster of 2018 god yeah so i'm really excited to see we have a very very interesting group of u.s playing wales england and iran just mm-hmm. from historical perspectives to political don't ever tell me that the world cup is never political because it is um yeah, it's going to be great. Looking forward to it. And it's not, you know, we've been gone for a couple of weeks here. Nothing's happened in the EPL, right? It's been oh, really nothing. dull and boring since oh, yeah. we've since we've been off there. And no, it's not your fault. I mean, I could have just done a solo. Like nothing's stopping me. You could have recruited the family like I did that one time. Like yeah, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> could have recruited your family for it. But yeah. no, um, that would be fun. But no, excited. There's lots of storylines. The table is shaping up into place and teams are starting to separate themselves from the rest of the pack on both ends. So it's getting to that fun time of year. Yeah. Like on, on some level, I just feel bad about like my own team. Cause like, man, we've missed some crazy mm. match weeks selfishly for my squad. But yes. that being said, like, this is proof that this is not a Tottenham pod. And in fact, we're, you know, we're kind of going to go at this from uh, a level of like, intrigue or interest since we've missed a couple match weeks i figured like we just kind of look at the table ish and kind of jump into it so proof this is not a tottenham pod there is only one place to start and Mm. it's got to be arsenal the red half of north london i vomited a little bit in my mouth but justin you got to say they've been the best team this season five point lead uh not quite halfway through the season yet little more than a third of the way through the season 12 wins 12 wins one draw, mm. one loss. I mean, incredibly impressive. Incredibly impressive from Arsenal. Yeah, it's hard to... It, you're kind of running out of excuses on why they aren't legit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, early on. And I'll put myself in there. Not to say I didn't think they were good, but like as far as great team, I'll say, you know, form is temporary. You know, how long are you going to get it from Gabri- Gabriel Jesus, which is semi-true, but... You know, they have so many players that are playing above the abilities that they've shown previously in any other season. And it's just the cohesiveness and showing that they're a true team and they're balanced and they can play in a vision that Arteta set up over the last two and a half years. I mean, you look at that Chelsea game that was a couple of weeks ago and they thoroughly dominated Chelsea. I mean, this is one zero was flattering to Chelsea. Honestly, I mean, they absolutely smacked them, held the ball. You could see that one touch passing they could get out of their back was so impressive to me. Um, I mean, just think where Arsenal were defensively two years ago and where they are now. I mean, where they have Gabriel and Saliba back there that are rock solid. They've had 
Zinchenko. They've had Tierney as a backup left back, which is mm-hmm. just a solid. Ben White at right has been looks a revelation great. because Tommy Yasu was supposed to have that unlock, and he still looks like a decent player. But mm-hmm. Ben White's been amazing. And then you go to the midfield. Odegaard, I mean, I mean, you look at the last weekend against Wolves. I mean, what absolutely a ran the show just running the show and you think he's the leading goal scorer right now for arsenal i'm pretty is sure he really i'm wow. pretty sure we can you can fact check me but i'm pretty sure he is because gabby jesus hasn't scored since like august that's not no. actually true but he hasn't but, scored I mean, in a long time maybe like <laughs> late to mid-september though yeah maybe no i actually think that might on point here i think I'm that's probably do true some, do some research yeah, do some fact checking about I mean, you have Saka, who's like regarded as one of the best young talents in the game, but he's not even the best, near the best player for Arsenal, I would say, because on the other wing, you have Martinelli, who's been just on form and on point and good enough. And I would never think this in September even, Kyle, but good enough to be called up by Brazil for the World Cup. I was going to say, you know, that's like a mark of how good you are when you make it into that stacked as fuck front line for Brazil. I mean, Firmino didn't get in. That just tells you everything you need to know. And he's you been know, great this season. Yeah, he's been great. And so I don't think Martinelli will start. I'm not going to get crazy yeah. there. But, I mean, no. to make a Brazil squad that are probably the the bookies' favorites to win. And there are yep. a few, a select few teams that I'd say tier one teams, and they're definitely in it. And so that just tell, that's a testament to how good he is. And then in the, you know, the, the only position group I've missed is CDM, and they've been super solid. Thomas Partey has been... Healthy most of the season. Granite Jaka has been serviceable along alongside party. Yeah, the Jaka redemption arc is long and stunning. So, I mean, I just named every position on that team. They've allowed eleven goals, scored thirty three. Just a truly balanced, incredible mm-hmm. team so far. And you wonder like, what the World Cup's going to do? How many injuries can Arsenal sustain? Because they definitely, inarguably, have less depth than a Manchester City, right? But like. If they're healthy, I mean, I'm running out of excuses to say they can't compete or they can't stay in it because this whole time, Kyle, I've been saying, you know, this thing's going to be over by Easter. City are just, they have the talent. And, you know, on paper they do, but I'm running out of excuses. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like typically you want to wait until February to say who what the title race is and all that, all that. But look, 16 matches gone, I think it is. I think Arsenal played 15 Arsenal and City has played 14. 14. Yeah. So it's, we're only a little bit past a third of the way through. You know, the only reason I say this is because, like, I've seen my own club be top at Christmas and, like, finish seventh. But uh, that's also Tottenham, and that's not a normal club. So yeah, we can't, let's not use them for the barometer of success. No, it's a terrible, terrible example. Um, But I look, I don't think there's any debate that they've been the best team so far. And sure, I still have questions about how deep they are, but just watching this Arsenal team play, this there's there isn't a better example to why clubs should be patient and to really invest. People talk about the process, and Arsenal fans always talked about trusting the process. And I feel like opposing fans kind of always like, you know, gave them a little banter for it. But you're at, you're seeing the the fruits of that. Honestly, this is the great example of why to stick by a manager. Obviously, he has to show a little something, something. But like you, you referred to the quick one time one touch passing and just how well they seem to know each other's games. You could tell they're growing together. And I, mm-hmm. I think of a player like Odegaard and Martinelli who have maybe been the standout players to me moving forward. Because when I think about 
what what's the secret sauce and how have they gone from being like nearly men in the top four even before then they were not even close to the top four to just this absolutely fluid free-flowing team i think the main if i'm going to boil it down to one reason or the biggest reason i think it's actually defensively a a little guy named william saliba honestly i think he not so little not so little no and i the I don't like to in an 11 person squad a starting lineup. I don't like to put it on one person, but we saw Van Dyke do something similar. I'm not comparing to Van Dyke, but like when you have a center back that fast, you can play a higher line, which is well suited to attacking teams. And I think Saliba gives them that, that luxury. I don't think that comparison's that crazy. I mean, you kind of, you started there and then you're like, I'm not comparing him, but the impact Style that he's wise, had on that team is pretty similar, I would say. The raw materials too. Yeah. Van Dyke, blistering pace, Saliba's really mm-hmm. pace, both mm-hmm. so like... For a center back, for how powerful and strong they are, right. both of them, to be that fast. I mean, you've seen fast center backs before, but they're a little thinner, a little lankier, a little maybe a little better on the ball, but Saliba's plenty good on the ball, but he also has right. that power. They're also not as like patient or as uh, calm is the better word. Like Mm -hmm. Saliba and Van Dyke, just calm people around them. Compare that to someone on, again, not a Tottenham pod, but Davinson Sanchez is all the pace in the world. Or you can go to United. Dude makes me so nervous. Well, Harry Maguire, it's like the train wreck of all train wrecks. Let's be honest. He'd he'd fit right in at Spurs, you know? (laughs) I was playing a uh, FIFA career mode. Um, I don't know, over the summer or something to kill, you know, when I didn't have a job and I'd simulate it and United sold Maguire to Spurs in that career <laughs> mode. So there you go. Uh, what was I going to say? You know, I, I just so impressed with Arsenal Saliba, just to piggyback off what you were saying. I mean, he might start for France. That's mm-hmm. how good he's been. I mean, that wouldn't be out of the question. No, no, it really isn't. And um, I think, Trying to think who he would be paired up next to because Varane, I think, made the squad but has come back from injury or something like that. Yeah. So they have um, Jules Kunde, but I don't yeah. know if they'll play him at right or center. That's a pacey France. back line if they play together for center backs. Right. You know? Don't know. I know. Makano's back there. Yeah. You could play him. Lucas Not... Hernandez is back there. Anyway, it's an interesting squad. Yeah. But look, we, we, we keep like, trying to find reasons to not call them title contenders still a little early for me, but like, look, when you're five points ahead at the world cup break, which I guess is a thing um, you can't not say so. So, so mid season prediction, mm. although it's not okay. Way too early in the season prediction. Curious your thoughts are I, if I'm going to reassess, I, I, I can't see them not making top four. Um, you know, I, I can see Arsenal maybe struggling a little bit when they get a little farther in the Europa League. I think they will go farther in the Europa League, and I think they will have to start um, playing people twice a week, and I do think that'll affect them. But to the point where they drop out of top four, no way. No way. So um, definitely look better than Spurs. And I think they will go into January, and they will buy, I don't know how many, but they'll improve that squad. They'll take advantage of this. Give me a number. Where are they finishing? I'm going to say third. Okay, I'm going to say second. Mm. I don't. I think they they've been rock solid, and I I don't know if they go on the a pace where they get 37 points through four, their next 14 games, but 
they've shown me the quality where they've been good enough to beat most of the teams on their schedule. And it's not like past seasons where they've drawn games where they shouldn't have. They've that's only happened once this season. They've been blowing teams off the park for the yeah. most part. Yeah. So, and if they don't blow them off with the scoreline, like with the ball in the eye test of dominating a match, they tend to dominate no matter who they're playing. And even the, you know, any advanced analytics to the expected goals, the expected threat, all of that they're doing, they're dominating games. Mm-hmm. Every stat shows it. And it's clearly the eye test. I mean, just look at yeah. Chelsea one nil was flattering. Yeah. So. 100%. I do question if Thomas Partey gets the inevitable injury because yep. he seems very injury prone. Yep. That is the one area where I'm looking at them and mm, I'm not so sure, but something tells me they'll invest in that position. In January, January. given the given where they are in the table, I think they'll get a little bit of funds to buy one, one and a half play, like maybe a depth player and a starter type of caliber. Yeah. And I think they'll address that. Maybe depth depth striker, starting quality center mid, probably. Yeah, is that what would I'm, be my guess. guess. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to Manchester City. Uh, sitting at second place. Played, for the most part, I would say, pretty well over the season. But they've had a couple hiccups recently, and notably this last match, Kyle, where they lost in the 98th minute, I want to say, in the death the death of stoppage time to Ivan Tony and Brentford at home. And so they find themselves five points off the top of the table. Jesus. Erling Holland, obviously one of the, or if not the biggest storyline in Premier League with 18 goals through 14 games, absolutely <laughs> blistering pace. And I think he's been stuck at 18 for like one or two games. So it's like, oh man, he's, he's fallen off a cliff, right? <laughs> he largely hasn't played because they've been playing Julian Alvarez. Right. Um, right. He's picked up like a minor, minor, minor knock against Dortmund in the Champions League. But what do you make of Manchester City, Kyle? I mean, are you impressed? Are you disappointed? Where, where are your thoughts? Where I'm at with Man City is I, I thought they would, I, I thought they would cakewalk to the title this season. Uh-huh. Um, well, and it still could happen. It, it could still could still happen because I still remember them being in like 10th place after 10 games. <laughs> and everyone behind, was freaking out, but us. And they season. still cakewalked. Um, that being said, though, I mean, one match is one match, but the Brantford match was weird because usually when they lose a game, at the very end or whatever, they play incredibly well, pepper the goal, and it's like a smash and grab result. City did not look good in this match against Brentford. Like even the passing and movement. I mean, look, a lot of teams are tired, so I'll give them a pass. But their last three games barely, barely beat Fulham with a weak ass penalty call, which we missed on the pod because mm-hmm. I had the flu last week. Never That's where they were. They were. Is that the game where they were reduced to ten men? I think so. And then uh, they gave De Bruyne a weak ass penalty with right. like or Holland scored, fell on Holland. fell on De Bruyne very soft in like the ninety eighth or ninety sixth minute or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of barely eked out a win over Leicester one nil and looked pretty underwhelming. If I remember correctly, those are the last three games. So. I don't know. They really slowed down. But that being said, look, people forget this squad, except for Phil Foden, who's an academy graduate, literally every single person in the squad that I can think of is like at least 40 million pounds, like all 25 players, literally every single Julian Alvarez is not literally everyone else. He's not first choice, though. No. 
And even then he's like, makes the Argentina squad is like the up and coming striker behind Lotaro. And you know, their squad depth is just, it's unfair. Everyone on the squad is worth that much. So I still think they'll easily win the title, but cakewalk. No, I, I don't still, I don't see any weaknesses yet, but I think even they're a little bit tired, which you're seeing everyone else be tired. I don't know. What's your read on them? Yeah, I, I largely agree with that analysis. I think that you have a lot of games for City. You have a lot of games where they're playing their best lineup in Champions League, in Premier League, you know, back to back to back. And you saw some knocks, minor injuries, some fatigue. I think World Cup, as long as some of their major players don't get injured and they come back, I think they're fine, honestly. I, I'm not overreacting. Yeah. I think a five-point gap, especially with not having played Arsenal yet, and they say they play twice, exactly. and there's the gauntlet of the New Year's and all sorts of games. Like, how many games are left? 24 games for both? I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. lot of games left. Mm-hmm. And Two-thirds City, of the season, City have much. been here and done that. They've won trophies. They've won FA Cups in the same time. Arsenal are going to probably challenge in the FA Cup in the Europa and the Premier League. And they're not used to playing. Let's let's not get carried away. (laughs) Just because Tottenham can't handle the Conference League doesn't mean that Arsenal can't handle the Europa. You really think think Arsenal can challenge on three fronts with that squad? Uh, No, not eventually. But I think they can through at least March. Maybe. Wow, that's really cynical since the first round of the Europa doesn't really start until February. Hey, we 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 started with Arsenal. I just waxed lyrical about them, but like the squad is not deep enough to battle on three fronts. Like not no chance, no chance. So why I'm saying is I still think City <laughs> uh City is pretty comfortable, but at the same time, I mean vulnerability especially you know what they've seen at the back and giving away some cheap goals and not as being as tight and as before yeah so i mean they played on that last play on on tony's last goal at the 98th minute this last weekend it was very weak defending we've seen a lot of akanji this year which is interesting development i'm glad you brought that up because he was not loved at dortmund i could say as a dortmund fan and so he's come in and done a job for City. No question. Credit to him. Decent. He can look like a decent center back. Like I'm sure some City fans are like, oh, yeah. I mean, he's similar to John Stones, right? Pleasant surprise. Uh, they still have Manchester City, still have Laporte and Diaz, and they've hardly played together this season. And so let's give a World Cup. Let's get back. Let's get into the groove of things. I think you're going to see a lot of Ruben Diaz, who hasn't played that not that much yeah. Uh, compared to the total minutes. So yeah. I think Kyle, you're going to see Kyle Walker's that. been out. Kyle Walker's been out. Yeah. You know, Zhao Cancelo is amazing, right? But it's had some boneheaded plays. Player. Some boneheaded plays, you know, recently with red cards and yellow cards and not conventional. Not hasn't been as rated as previous matches. But all that to say, I think their defense will shape up a little bit more where yeah. they're going to be more clinical and get some more attacking in from the defense into the the to the offense so i'm not too worried about city honestly it's not like they're in 10th yeah. agreed I mean, they're in second so i'm not agreed. gonna freak out mm-hmm. let's move down a little further in the table and skip a few places and go down to eighth place and kyle the team that resides in eighth place is graham potter's chelsea football club 
you know, we're not taking a mat, you know, we're very much not going to the wizarding world and seeing magic with this Potter. It's more of a <laughs> depression and just a dive ever since Tuchel's been gone and no wins in the last five. One might say a Houdini act. No, it's terrible. Please boo that, please. <laughs> I, if I had a soundboard, I would play something, but we don't. So Chelsea, 17 goals scored this season. What a weird like season so far. You know what I mean? Like, like everything about it, even off the field. They're, they have less goals than Bournemouth this season. Wow. Let's, let's, let's let that sink in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost, I mean, yeah, I, I don't it's know. It's bad. I mean, their last five, they have not looked. I mean, I mentioned in the, very heavily in the Arsenal section that they lost 1 0. They looked, they looked terrible. And a lot of that was Absolutely. due to Arsenal looking great, but also Chelsea looks terrible. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not forget that. And it's not just been that game. I mean, like, look, this is a new, new Chelsea, like new season, new Chelsea, new owner, new manager, new project. It's not just the Arsenal game where they just, looked uh completely dominated i mean brighton played them off the park mm. grand potter's old team played them off the park um I, I i think really the only the only really strong performance i've seen at chelsea all season they dominated tottenham like early on in the season when Tuchel was still there i was impressed with how good they were on the ball i haven't seen that since uh i i think their midfield hasn't looked dominant they look slow at the back and they kind of had this goal scoring problem with Tuchel and it's like Potter kind of brought the issues he was facing at, at Brighton um, with him to Chelsea. And I'm not going to blame Chelsea's goal scoring problems on Potter. I mean, they, they signed a pretty washed up Aubameyang if I'm being totally honest, <laughs> uh, forced out. Well, I don't know if he forced out uh, Lukaku, he kind of forced himself out, but it was mutual. I'm sure. It's just like going into the season, I kept saying Chelsea were the big question mark. I still, I don't know what I'm looking at. I have no idea. I can't tell you what, what are Chelsea? What are they going for? Uh, Look, I really rate Graham Potter as a manager, but Potter is not helping by completely changing, chopping and changing the team and the position, uh, the formation, rather everything about this Chelsea team. Like, I don't know what, Graham Potter doesn't know his best 11 and I don't know what he's leaning towards with the formation and I, it's still early. So I'm not going to like gang up on him yet, but I don't know what I'm looking at when I watch this Chelsea team, like they, yeah. they're where they deserve to be. And everyone's been talking about how terrible Liverpool have been. Chelsea's had a sneaky bad season so far, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Liverpool's definitely been more high profile bad, but you know, of course they're above Chelsea in the table. So right. That's pretty funny. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Arsenal game. You mentioned the Brighton game. Their most recent game against Newcastle, they lost. They generated 0.3 expected goals. I think they had five shots in the game. They were dominated. I watched this game. I mean, yeah, you look at the possession stats, 50-50, yada, yada, yada. They had five shots. They didn't generate that much threat. Mm -mm. And it wasn't just like Newcastle won because of a great goal by Joe Willock, which it was. But all the stats don't lie. Mm-hmm. And even the eye test, eye test, everything about it. I mean, yeah, it was at Newcastle. God, talk about a party atmosphere. I mean, we'll we'll talk about Newcastle later. But I kept I kept asking you and Chelsea fans, like, would Chelsea be patient? 
because they sacked Tuchel way too early, in my opinion. Oh, yes. Brought in a manager who I think is the best English manager, in my opinion, right now. Um, but talk about a project manager. Were they going to be patient if it inevitably went a little sideways at the beginning? And that's the big question for me. I mean, these these owners have, have egos, and he'll want to stick by his man. But on the same side of the coin, they have egos. And might want to save face. So I don't even know where to begin with the analysis of Chelsea. Like I, I couldn't even tell you like what I couldn't pinpoint it on one or two things, like what's gone wrong with Chelsea. It's kind of like similar to this Liverpool discussion we've had all season. It's many things. I don't know. What do you think? I'm just wondering what my best lineup would be because like Graham Potter, I'm just trying to think there've been some underwhelming he's played. He's played four at the back. He's played five at the back. He's played like a five, two, two, one. He's played a five, three, two, four, two, three, one. He's played so many things. So not only does he not know his starting 11, he doesn't know his best formation. It's confusing. It's confusing uh, as a player. It's a confusing as a, as a fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, injuries haven't helped. Reason- no. L- losing both Reese James and uh, Ben Chilwell, although Chilwell was – uh, I mean, he's been on the bench as much as he's been starting. Reese James is a big loss because they don't really have another right wing back, like a serviceable one. I mean, I've seen Pulisic there a couple times. That's not his place. You right. Know. Or uh, Loftus-Cheek. It just doesn't really make sense. And and one thing I will say is I, I really rate, I mean, Tiago Silva is like a Rolls Royce. Age is like fine wine. Yeah. And I really rate Koulibaly. But those are two aging over 30 center backs who are not blessed with pace in the same team. And I wonder as a partnership, I don't know. I have questions for as attacking and forward thinking as Chelsea is like they will leave space in behind. And that, I think that that leaves them vulnerable with those two, but maybe I'm overreading it. I don't know. Uh, no. And Golo, it's Conte in the squad either to help yeah. uh, cushion those center backs either. Mm-hmm can't underestimate that and even though he was playing more of a box to box i mean he can still play that role so oh no i don't know with chelsea i mean if i had to make a prediction going forward with chelsea i would say they're outside the top four i mean i really mm-hmm. don't know that at this point and of course i could eat my words but i just don't see it compared to some of the other teams them turning it around as fast as no really any of the other top six i don't know well of like kind of the flailing big six clubs or big clubs outside of the top four, I look at Liverpool's squad and I look at Chelsea's squad. Liverpool's squad is far superior to me. Mm -hmm. I was looking at Chelsea's starting lineup the other day and there are some great names in there, but even as a Tottenham fan, and Tottenham cannot play against Chelsea whatsoever to save their life, but I'm not scared of that team. And I look at Liverpool's squad and I'm still like, God, that front line has so much talent. And they still have Van Dyke and Trent and Robbo at the back and Fabinho and Tiago Chelsea do not have the same level players up and down the pitch. And, and Sterling has been a huge disappointment so far this season. Yeah, definitely. Sterling has been off. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't, does, <laughs> doesn't have the same players on Chelsea that he did city. No. Sorry. You don't, no. uh, you're not going to get the ball in the same spaces that you did. So we'll see. Uh, so it's- disappointing. Is Potter under pressure though? Like, is that, I feel like that's crazy to be talking about this at this point, but like, 
look, if there's any club notorious for this kind of thing, here we are. <laughs> I think you and I disagree on this a little bit. I just don't think that, you know, owners have big egos and, you know, that's a big move to come out in the fire Tuchel and say, it's not for his performance. It's for the relationship yeah. that they had with the ownership group and to, you know, to have results and then not give Potter time to develop and to find his team and to have a transfer window. Cause remember they gave Tuchel the transfer window and then sacked him right after weird Dumb move. So I, I don't think you can do that. If you, if you do sack him, then it's just such an indictment as you as an owner. Mm-hmm. And I think they have way too big of egos. Just look at mm-hmm. Twitter. Uh, so I think some of these people just have not way good, too inflated not, egos and not yeah. to say these are the same because it's not and not anywhere yeah. close. But when you have that much success in your life, you eventually have an ego. It's yeah. Just not, comes sure. with the territory. I mean, I wouldn't sack him. I think it's crazy. Um, I don't think he will be sacked anytime. Soon. I don't think he would. The, I think the earliest he would be sacked is if Chelsea start terribly next season. Hmm. I think he needs a summer window. Yeah, I'm really curious. I'm really curious. Look, I I don't like seeing managers get sacked soon, even if this is a club that I personally hate. But uh, I look, it, it would be so unjust if if you're promised a project and aren't given the project, it's not right. But yeah, Chelsea. So moving from some squad drama to off the field drama, Manchester United. I mean, they've just been in the news constantly for the past couple seasons i feel like we've covered them unnecessarily begrudgingly mm-hmm. because of how popular and how infamous some of this news has been but we'll start with the on the field uh items for manchester united fifth place it's pretty good it's in the table i mean the ten hog uh, era i think is I, I do you and i both agree i feel like it's gone gone off to a much better start than you or I anticipated it's gone off to a better start than I've anticipated. I would say that. Yes. Um, you know, winning most of their games, but they just have some of these inconsistent moments that come just from nowhere. Aston Villa a couple of weeks yeah. ago, right? Just yeah, not, really not talking about the cup match, just the actual match. They just looked off of it. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's because Ronaldo was captaining the side and starting or what, you know, hint hint yeah uh you know fulham they had to they had to win it at the death and they looked a lot better in that game but they really had to they had to come back so i don't know i don't know i, I they just they don't excite me that much i mean they show mm-hmm. some quality they grind out some results against mm-hmm. some lower some lower opponents minus the arsenal match earlier in the in the season but and tottenham as well they they played well against tottenham i guess yeah. but dominated us I don't know. There's just, I just don't think they have enough quality in that squad to compete with some of the other. Really? Mm, See, that's where you and I disagree. I I still look, we have been here trashing United for seasons. I would say rightly so. Rightly so for sure. I still look at that squad and I still see some great players, but that being said more than anything, when watching this team, I still See a team naturally growing into themselves that's new, playing under a new system. I mean, it's it's a pretty radical change to go from like an interim manager of three years. God, how stupid you have to be as an ownership to have that. Uh, 
Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, club legend, great striker, zero tactics. To go from that to a manager that is like as rigid, but not in a negative way, but like as regimental as Ten Hag, it's it's a radical change. And I was reading that he's kind of known as a disciplinarian going into this United spell. He's definitely backed that up. And honestly, good for him. I think I would give Ten Hag like an eight or nine out of 10 rating so far of what I've seen to the point where I think in the first few games, he tried to play this fluid style. And I think he's noticeably after that terrible start kind of checked it a little bit and was like, okay, I have what I have. It'll take a while. Let's play a little more pragmatic but they do look a lot better on the ball. You got to say with like Erickson oh, and for Fernandez sure. in there, yeah. I think they look very different. Fred, I think has been pretty good, but this team still looks like a, a, a team that's at the beginning of something. And I think that's only natural. So I, I think they're kind of exactly where they need to be on a personal level. To be honest, I think if you not, if you took Erickson off this United squad this season, I think they would be a, in the table, probably right around where Chelsea is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally see where you're getting at. I think Erickson's been uh, one of their best players. Oh, I think he, I think he is one of their best players. Yeah. And as a Spurs fan, I just do not, I can never, I can't understand why, why Spurs didn't look at him, but whatever. I I don't think you could have more than two players above him right now for United in importance. You could probably say David De Gea up -hmm. there in this year. That's been super important. Mm-hmm. And there's probably an argument out there for Bruno Fernandez. And that's it. I think that's where yeah. the, it ends. I also, I kind of have like a personal vendetta on this level, but put some respect on Lissandro Martinez's name. Everyone talking about how short he is. Oh, that's, I mean, we were both shitting on that. That that as, was never a narrative. that we as, as, as someone who's short, I find that personally offensive. <laughs> yeah, Come on, a, man. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I'm not that tall either, but I mean, it's just like, yeah, I'm 5'10". So I'm average, I how, guess, but how like tenacious and like ready-made for the Premier League does Lissandro Martinez look? I think he's looked great. He's been, he's been very good. The vast majority. I mean, he's been their best center back. This season, good good sure. in the I mean, air too. Seriously. Oh yeah. I mean, you looked at, look at his stats from the Dutch league, the air divise. Like he's, he won so many aerial duels that he shouldn't like you, you shouldn't as how tall is he? Five, six, five, seven. Yeah. You shouldn't win when they're that height. So, I mean, he's very tenacious lissandro martinez has been a very good signing for them so far so i think where i have a lot of questions about united is the fluidity in attack and goal scoring and i just am not convinced like chelsea i'm not convinced that they can find somebody that can consistently bang in the goals i mean marcus rashford player the seat player of the month player of the the month for september i think he had three goals he's a leading goal scorer at four right who else are you going to have? You have Anthony Martial. We'll get to Cristiano Ronaldo in a second. You have Jaden Sancho. You have Bruno Fernandez. I mean, you just, you have a fluid system, right? Mm-hmm. And you can get goals out of different places, but when they're in a pinch and when they need somebody to be there, to lead the line, to, you know, be there for the through balls, to be there for the aerial duels, to, you know, get one-on-ones, they have, they don't have anything close to a Harry Kane or a, even a, in a, drought gabby jesus who makes so much happen to a, certainly not an erling holland right so i i'm just not sold on united and i think they're they have too many holes and sent in central defensive mid cover to some i'm not sold on some of their wing back play they give up a lot of attacks through the wings 
their their net positive on essentially xg a lot of that from early season for sure but i'm just not sold on this team yet and totally agree with you lots of improvement into the right direction 10 hog probably give him a seven and a half or an eight throughout the season so i think there's so many good steps but i'm just not ready to put them in the class of the liverpools or the arsenals or like the tottenham's even Hey. Even though they dominated Tottenham, they're just yeah, not they consistent did. enough to be there, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'll be curious what they do in the January window. But right. uh, I guess honestly, we keep pussyfooting around it. I guess we have to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. This is just coming out in the past couple of days, by the way. Yeah, I'm trying to like jump on uh, Twitter right now just to see like some of the biggest um, biggest quotes. So. Long story short, Cristiano Ronaldo came out today that he did an interview. One would say a bombshell, definitely a bombshell. Bombshell. If I've ever seen a bombshell interview, this is like mid-season. This goes beyond what I think uh, Lukaku did last season. Oh, Like it's much more vicious and brutally honest. And I personally, look, I've been really hard. You and I disagree a little bit on the Ronaldo thing. I've been really harsh on him, but I'm really torn on this whole situation. But Ronaldo has an interview with none other than Pierce Morgan. Which is which an interesting in, side note in, by itself. In in British media, I, I think he even like go I think he has a CNN show and goes beyond British media, but like I wouldn't say he's Trumpy, that's not the right way, but like he's a provocateur, you know? And um always has really spicy interviews. Okay, I can't pull it up on my phone for some reason, but Ronaldo in this interview completely eviscerates Manchester United, like top, top to bottom. Not Well, not the fans, not necessarily the... Not the fans been, at all. Not he the fans praises at all. the fans, yes. But um, goes on... To, I mean, I don't want to like steal all the thunder, but what really stood out to me more than anything is this quote that says... Eric Ten Hag, I don't respect him because he doesn't respect me. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't see how a player has a future after saying something like that. But that being said, this is Cristiano Ronaldo. And Ronaldo brings in a lot of money from Manchester United. And we know the Glazers, their ownership group, and how much they care about that dollar off the field. That's just one of a litany of crazy quotes. I mean... Goes on to say the club hasn't moved at all in the last 10 years. Like the uh, training facilities are the exact same. Nothing has changed. The Glazers don't care about the club, which to me, I'm like, yeah, that's obvious for everyone to see. And I think every single United fan would agree with that. I mean, look, this guy is like stormed off the field, refused to come on against Tottenham, has, has made bad headlines in the middle of great United performances. But on this one, kind of hear i kind of hear what he's saying on some level i don't know it's a mess it's a mess it's for a player to come out mid-season i mean i just don't know how you repair something like this with a manager and a player relationship i mean there's that bombshell that's probably the biggest one the quote that about ten hog the respect aspect i don't know how you come back from that i don't get that one personally um what else did he say uh, you know he hit back at wayne rooney for always criticizing him that's a funny one i think 
I don't know why he criticizes me so badly, probably because he's finished his career and I'm still playing at a high level. That's See, to me, that is just petulant little bitch Ronaldo speaking because he kind of has that. Well, Wayne Rooney goes out and writes these articles all the time where he shits on Ronaldo. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that too. I get it. I don't know. Uh, Ronaldo says he feels betrayed by the club. Um, yeah, and what is that been, one about? This goes back to last season when some players were bitching and moaning about Ronaldo and his desire to win and like his ruthlessness. Uh-huh. Um, and that's his attitude, I think. Seems like um, there's this like rift in the dressing room, which right, I, I right. which that not part between all me. the players, but some of the players. And we can probably guess who some of those players are, but not we're not totally sure so i mean to me look you and i have both played the game team sport anyone who refuses to come on and marches down the tunnel in the middle of a great win and attracts all this media attention like that that's bad that is that's that's close to unforgivable for me yeah it means a relationship is beyond repair in my Mm -hmm. opinion and like i said in the summer when he was bitching and moaning in the summer i said he was fine because like they should have let him go they should have let him go. Wasn't a good situation. Obviously didn't get along with the manager should have parted ways. Then whether you like agreed to a buyout of the contract or you sold him, whatever, got rid of him. Now we're at a place where we can't, you know, he's, he feels stuck. He doesn't like his situation. United doesn't like the situation they're in. And so it's just become toxic. And so obviously he's done some things that he shouldn't have done acting petulant, whatever adjective you want to use to describe the situation for sure. It's it's not good. No. And then lastly, it surprises um, me. What else does he say in the news? He he praises Alex Ferguson and basically says um, the club hasn't really progressed since he left. And to mm-hmm. sum it all up, and I think then, he also was saying City came in for Ronaldo. Sir Alex actually called him and was saying, "You can't go to City. You, you got to come to United." And he's like, "Yes, yeah." yeah. Which is kind of uh, wild. And then I think there was kind of like where he was blaming the club in the summer for when his wife and like family were having health issues and he went off to be with them and then the club didn't believe him or something like that when he has proof and all these things, there's clearly like a lack of wife, like lost a child or something, right. Still like very, very sad situation. Right. right? And so there's clearly a lack of trust that it, that's eroded whether it's it was then or since then it's gone back so it's it's just a terrible situation so you know now that he's off to portugal for the you know for the portugal squad in the world cup and they don't return till the end of december i just don't see how he plays a part in december and the january is the transfer window so i'd be shocked if he was at united in february it's just a really surprise whether I, I mean whether he gets released on a free I could actually see just, that happening. Yeah. I mean, no. it's just, if I'm Eric Ten Hogg, like I don't want someone like that in my dressing room affecting no. the other players when you're storming down the pitch or when the team win, but you have someone sulking in the locker room. Like that just brings the whole energy down, the morale yeah. down, you know, my trust mm-hmm. in my fellow players. Like no matter Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest players of all time, like you just can't have that. And, you know, mm-hmm. as you're trying to rebuild as great as Ronaldo is. So. It's just gotta, a shame because I, I feel like this is kind of a, not a stain on his career, but look, this is one of the undisputed goats of the game. And I just, I don't see what he sees as a win out of this scenario. 
I also, I don't know, it'll be really interesting to see like who's interested in him and, and where he goes. Cause I, I can't think of any now, but I think there may be some surprises in, in January or something, but God, weird situation. Zlatan to wrap this up also had a recent quote about United of, on his time there. He said, one thing that surprised me is that everyone thinks of United as a top club, one of the richest and most powerful in the world and seen from the outside, it looked that way to me. But once I was there, I found a small closed mentality. Mm. Yeah, you can kind of see that with like some appointments and the really the the like obsession with appointing people who are united and former players into positions that I don't think they deserve to be. Uh, and and the funny thing is, Ronaldo I think liked Ollie. Yeah, well, I wasn't even just talking about Ollie, but like assistants. Um, yeah. People yeah. surrounding the club. I mean, <clears throat> recruitment has been terrible. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Well, sad, sad situation. What they can achieve this season, United, I mean, I would be shocked if they made it in the top four. I think they're Europa League squad. Yeah. Going into next season. Yeah, probably. Something exciting, something new. New country involved in the sweepstakes, Saudi Arabia, Newcastle United, <laughs> is two points behind City. And yes, City have a game in hand, but Newcastle, going back to January of last season, I'm pretty sure they've been a top four club. Mm. In total I, I think point, point wise. Point yeah, wise. I sure. think they're like fourth behind Tottenham. Yeah. Liverpool and City. I'm pretty sure it might even be third ahead of Liverpool. It might be third, well, but they're, I think they're. I think they're top four. I'm yeah. pretty sure they're top four. No, you're right. It, it's an incredible turnaround. This is a team that was terrible under Steve Bruce, right? And you know, it was like, oh, should he be sacked? All the things. Here comes uh, Eddie Howe into the squad. You know, much appreciated manager when he was at Bournemouth. Comes to Newcastle makes a bunch of smart signings over last winter mm-hmm. to this summer. And I've absolutely revolutionized this club to where going into last week's game against Chelsea, they were betting favorites to win that game, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Which is crazy over a top six club. Newcastle United a year ago was mm-hmm. not a good team a year ago, in November. Yeah. Now they're an exciting team. They bought a $60 million, 60 million euro striker who's going to come back after the World Cup. Isak, really promising, played great in Spain. Yeah. Looks like they have Callum Wilson there, still there. They have Alan St. Maximin, which they did a lot of this run without him, to be fair. He's, he's been injured back like from all injury. season. And he's probably their most electric player. I would have said that, but they have Miguel Almiron, who's actually been their most electric player and scoring worldies every other week. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. Go look at his highlights. He's scored some worldies. Bruno Guimaraes, I, I don't think... No, it, I haven't got to him yet. I, I, I don't think it's any coincidence Liverpool and Real Madrid are trying to sign him in the summer. And like I think all of those big clubs would love to have him. I think I was reading he's in the top five or, or like some either a top 10 percentile or top five or 10 players or whatever in, in like passing tackles and yards ran or something like that. And we talk about players from France being really skilled often or from the French league, but maybe not mm. well-rounded Brazilians often the same thing. 
but God, talk about a well-rounded player. I mean, this guy, I look as center mids, you and I mean, personally, I, I love watching this guy. He's great. Let's talk about earlier. We were talking about Gabriel Martinelli making the Brazil squad. Bruno Grimaraes also in that Brazil mm-hmm. squad in the midfield. And I bet he's probably at least in the middle of that depth chart. 100%. At least. I mean, uh, some great some... players. I mean, that, that are in the world cup, some that are not and can feel uh, seriously snubbed. Um, Sven Botman center back has mm. been a revelation. He's a monster. He's like six, six or something did not make the Dutch squad, but he's been ever present for them with Fabian Schaar. Yep. Um, but then again, you look at the Dutch like center back options and they're probably one of the top three stacked at that position in yes. the world. I would to say like I mean, four or five or six players that are just like absolutely top of the line. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Van Dyke, uh, who's the Bayern guy, uh, delict delict, uh, inter guy that they really like timber. Timber, um, great Ajax player. guy. Uh, Inter Milan guy, Inter, yeah. 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 Um, is Ake considered a center back? I know he can kind of play two positions, which is yeah. why I think they like him because he Good can player, be like though. utility. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty stacked mm-hmm. for a top four. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, wait. So we, it's tough. Did we even say Van Dyke? We did say Van Dyke. We let yeah, him yeah, right. I mean, okay. Wait, I think yeah. so. There yeah. we go. But yeah, snub. I mean, you could call it a snub, or it's just a unfortunate, unfortunate probably. position. Yeah. But I mean, gosh. And then like you know, Trippier's been really solid. Hmm. Trippier's been great, and that hurts me personally because I chased him out of my own club. You did chase him out of the club. <laughs> He's been excellent. Uh, who else is? I mean. Uh, Dan Byrne looks like a player reborn, honestly. Yeah, thirty-year-old Dan Byrne. I'm, I mean, I'm being serious. Like Dan, uh, Dan Byrne, they like, have a much better keeper situation. Nick Pope is a is a solid keeper. Was keeping Burnley in the Premier League for like two seasons longer than they should have been. You know, I think he so. should get a shout. I think he should get a shout for the England team. Personally, I mean, he's not going to start. Pickford's no. going to start for that team. But on a personal level, I I'm a little torn on that one. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you so summarizing all that newcastle i mean they're in third they have a plus 18 goal difference and some of these games kyle they've been waxing teams like it hasn't been close and yes the chelsea game was close because chelsea you know despite their struggles are still a good team but like some of these teams that you would say were in newcastle's class of that middle table they're absolutely destroying yeah only one loss all season at anfield at mm-hmm. Anfield, that's it. I think uh, that's an acceptable loss. Yeah, acceptable loss. Uh, they 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 handled Spurs, they handled Chelsea. Um, I feel like they picked up another really good win somewhere along the road that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But like, um, to me, <clears throat> yeah, Holland for many is probably the story of the season. My personal pick for story of the season though is this Newcastle team. Honestly, mm. I I think they're for real. Uh, they're way ahead of schedule. I think people seeing Man City rise with all their money from a completely irrelevant football club, let's be honest. Uh, Newcastle are not that. For anyone who's new to the Premier League, this is, look, in the championship, the second division, this club got 50, like, thousand people out to every game yeah. to watch this absolute trash. Every week, this club uh, was in the mid-90s, like, the one challenging for titles against United and whatnot. And, and the Alan Shearer days. Yeah. And um, I mean, one of the most attacking T 
teams in the modern era in the nineties with, with Shearer and Faustino Asperia. Remember that guy, the Colombian mm-hmm. guy, like they had mm-hmm. some good players, man. So the Premier League is better with a good Newcastle United because you see that crowd over the weekend against Chelsea electric, man. It's like a straight up party atmosphere in the Northeast. So it's, it's good to have a big Newcastle back. Just wish it wasn't with Saudi money. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's unfortunate. A lot of things we could go down there, yep. but another, Newcastle another pod for another day. They're in third, right? And you could say, yeah, you know, this is an anomaly. They'll they'll sink back to the mean. They won't be as good. Yada yada yada. Next games: Leicester, Leeds, Arsenal, Fulham, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth. I said a lot of teams that they can beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. You, yeah, Arsenal stands out there, sure. Maybe if they lose that game. Every other game, they probably would be favored in. And and, so, and what are they going to do in January? I mean, th- this right, is Right, that's another window. Funds. Seriously. Yeah. And, th- you know, that's one of the benefits that Newcastle get from this World Cup. Is Yes, some players are going off, but there is a huge break between now and their next game, which is December 26th, Boxing Day. There's mm-hmm. only two games in December, and then... There's the transfer window. So they could go in, reassess. They're probably going to still be top four or top five when that happens. Right. And so they're going to go in, man, like, wow, here we are. We have a realistic yeah. shot to get fourth. We might be able Seriously. to nick fourth this season. What are we going to go get? I, I would bet, like, you know, I think it's usually terrible to recruit in a major tournament because of such a small sample size. You think of like Thomas Rodriguez and stuff like that. But, um, you know, being amazing, that one World Cup and Madrid signs them doesn't really work out. But I would bet you of this breakout players at the World Cup, Newcastle will be in the mix for most of them in the mm-hmm. transfer window. I yep. guarantee it. Yeah, midseason might get it on a slightly discount. They could have one and a half years on their contract, that sort of thing. Yeah. I just don't count out Newcastle. They're not oh. out of this race. Mm-mm. they deserve to be there too it's no flu yeah all right back to the top four we've talked about liverpool a lot on this show yeah, so i don't think shorter. we need to keep going but you know liverpool were washed liverpool are done they're written off they're terrible you know we were worried i was worried about them we didn't write them off Look what happens. All of a sudden we blink. We don't, we go dark for two weeks and oh, oh they're sixth. There they are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just like four points behind uh, Spurs with a game in hand. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so eh, was it a little overblown? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Of course, Liverpool have issues. They still need to sort out all of that, but. You still see it at the weekend too. I mean, the Southampton, yes, they won, but like, it's not a great performance. But they're they're getting more results this time around. Get, you getting know, better and late. better. I mean, they got the result against Spurs, right? Spurs again, another you know game where they don't show up in the first half, right? Yeah, as they per beat usual. Nap- they beat Napoli in the Champions League. Of course, Napoli didn't have a lot to play for, but they still won. Southampton, you're starting to get some players. Salah's trying to find a little more uh, form. I mean, you can, it's true. Um, they're going to get Diaz back after the World Cup, which is huge for them. They're mm-hmm. going to get Jota back. Mm-hmm. 
I think Liverpool are going to be fine. Now, be okay. I don't think they're going to win the title, but I would still be surprised if they don't finish top four. You know who's starting to pick up some good form, though? Darwin was... Nunez. Mm. Darwin Nunez is starting to look... Uh... So you're telling me he wasn't a bust? <laughs> At all this. Remember, first Holland was a bust, and then, like, <laughs> then Nunez, Nunez was going to be better than him. Then Nunez was a bust, and I'm just like, man, Twitter, you need to like sit Admittedly, down. Admittedly, Nunez kind of shot himself in the foot for that stupid red card. Sure. You know, that, that didn't help. But, yeah, I mean, there's always the quality there. Man, that's getting on the tangent for a second. That Uruguay uh striker is gonna be kind of spicy with nunez and suarez with a cavani off the bench that's a that's yeah some spicy players I'll tell you what man that uruguay squad for a country of like 10 million people or whatever small like that like that midfield of uh fede valverde from madrid and benson that's looking nice they have some other player i don't it's vicino i don't yeah I forget they yeah, have like some Uruguayan. other decent players too yeah terrera's um, uruguayan but yeah, right. he's pretty but he's not great off. but uh, yeah but he can still play in a turn like he can still have a good form in a world cup jose jimenez from atletico madrid mm-hmm. great center back yep. you know what i mean so godin is still there yeah i mean he's washed but he's he's still in the mix you put a pacey center back next to him that, that could still work you know yeah anyway but yeah no look liverpool will be fine they've dealt with injuries early on in the season we've covered them like at length um i don't think either of us are really worried i think they could miss out top four though i think it's definitely a possibility oh for sure um, it's a possibility i'm saying what do i think is gonna happen i think they'll finish top four yeah i couldn't even tell you i I couldn't tell you. I, I can see, I think they have some issues they need to resolve. I think they'll try to resolve it in January, aka with the center mid. Whether or not that player they bring in actually does the, the business, though, I'm not sure, because I think they really do need a young, energetic midfielder. I actually think someone like McKinney could work well for Liverpool, but they'd probably want to aim a little higher in terms of quality. But remember a, they, they got a they got a different Juventus center mid. Remember at the transfer window they got Arthur on the last oh, day and he hasn't played. Remember forgotten that? forgotten man, forgotten man. <laughs> well, Wait. he got injured, but yeah, yeah. Real quick, real quick though. Uh, forgot about the big news. As of like in the last week, Fenway Sports Group is mm. announced they're going to be selling Liverpool. Yes, I don't really know what to make of this, so I'm not I'm not going to lie because I think I think Fenway Sports Group has been a huge piece of the Liverpool success puzzle after years and years and years of issue LeBron with his little stake in, in Liverpool is going to be <laughs> walking, laughing away at the bank because the value of this club has just like skyrocketed, but um, intriguing news that I don't know how to, if any of us could really analyze that yet, but it's been a really successful ownership stint for Liverpool. I think everyone can, can agree on that. Right. Oh, hundred percent. I think a little early to see what's going to happen. I think they see that they cannot compete with some of the new owners and the new money that are coming. Yeah. So to maximize their value, maybe if the club, maybe they're identifying this is now the time to sell it's me speculating, but that's what makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a lot in FTX, so maybe they need to offset some of those losses. <laughs> another pod for another day. <laughs> but you look at Liverpool, they come back after the World Cup break. Villa, Leicester, Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Ever- Wolves, Everton, nothing that scares you. And so like, I think they're going to come back and they're going to find themselves right in the thick of the top four race. I'm not 
yeah. not worried about it. Yeah. Interesting Champions League draw against Real Madrid, though. That is going to be spicy. spicy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like Dortmund against Chelsea, by the way. I didn't say that yeah. during the Chelsea part, but um, I'm liking that. I'm also happy with my draw. So good draws to go around. Although I yeah. wish, uh, what's the other really good one? PSG got uh, uh, someone big, right? Did they get Bayern? No. They did get Bayern. Yeah, Bayern. PSG Bayern. Whew. Oh my God. Spicy. Yeah. Talk Sucks about spicy though. My club. Look, I think I think Spurs can also be kind of like a Liverpool situation. We talk about Spurs a lot, probably because look, roller coaster. Probably because they just tear at your heartstrings. Roller right? coaster of emotions with this club. I think for a neutral, I don't look. They're not always the best on the eye, but the storylines, like it's never dull. Oh yeah. But that being said, everyone's been saying Spurs are so bad all season, terrible to watch. This, that, and the other. Who says that? Oh, even I'll say it. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, yeah, but, you know, they... in in the media and stuff, like it must much of it just. But they are whisper quietly. They're three points behind Man City. And yes, Man City is game in hand. Game in hand. Yeah. Yes, United is three points behind it as game in hand. But like for being so terrible. For having like five or six attackers injured in one period, it's that's the time. big thing for me. And to still yeah. because that Liverpool game was like a free hit for me. I'm like, we don't have the squad. And uh True. look, this uh I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about Tottenham. All I will say is it's been a roller coaster. And for all the poor performances in the first half, if anything, this team has at least got a pair of balls. I'll tell you that. Mm. So as a neutral, Justin, like, what is your read on this, like, absolute crazy town of a club? My read is that they need, if they can figure out how to play an okay first half, they're going to be fine this season. Literally has not happened once this season. It, it is amazing. <laughs> I want to say, I mean, you will know better, but I've watched a lot of Spurs games in the last two months, and I want to say... Like every game is so frustrating to watch. I mean, think of Marseille, think of Leeds, think of who they play, Bournemouth. Yeah, just they look. Oh. Not only do they look like off, they look fucking awful. Oh, against you, against United, they were they were like vomit inducing, horrible. Yeah, uh, horrible. Like like they can't keep the ball. Horrible. No. Like they can't make three passes. Horrible. It's very strange. Now, what I will say is Spurs have been missing some key parts to the team. Kane still has double-digit goals somehow. 12. Just from natural poaching ability. Sun largely has underperformed this season, I would say. Mm-hmm. Richarlison has been injured a lot. Kulisevsky's been injured more, and I will say Kulisevsky... <sighs> what a player, man. ...might be in the top three of most important players for Spurs. I love that, man. And it might not be three. He is so good. I mean, just coming back against Leeds, you see the quality, right? Like, it's just evident. There's no, or there are few, but there is no other player that can come on and give the creative attacking threat that Kulisevsky can. I would say zero. People say Kane. Spurs fans will argue Kane. Mm, maybe but, i think I mean, he has it in him but kulisevsky is the one creative player in the team whereas like with charleston son they're all they're, they're different they're x-factor they're, yeah. players you know what i mean 
Mm-hmm. And I still think Richarlison can do great things with Spurs, but I think Kulisevsky is so important to have in that match yep. day squad. Um, almost in so, like I know Conte is so stubborn with his yeah. lineups, but I wonder oh, man. what it would look like to play Kulisevsky under a Kane and Son type of lineup. That's what I've been wanting to see. Like, cause he's been, he's been playing a lot of the three, five, two, right. Mostly out of, uh, necessity, necessity, not at least, the, at least right. the last like two, one month and a half for sure. And, and cool. interesting because he himself has gone on record and said, he sees himself as a cam number 10 tacking center mid actually. Mm. So I'd be really curious to see how that goes. Uh, look, there are a lot of negatives for the Spurs squad. Look, if you know any Spurs fans in your life, they'll tell you about Emerson Royale and <laughs> holy shit. There's a song about him, right? Recently. Yeah, there's a new That's like song. kind of endearing and, and yeah. loving, but I don't yeah. think Spurs fans are quite. There was a really uncomfortable moment last weekend that I do not like, but he was jeered as he was subbed off. And um, no matter how bad a player has been, I, I don't I don't like that at all. Um and then, you know, sign one of the most promising young right wing backs in the game who's English and Conte seems to refuse to play him. Uh, Jed Spence, a lot of the big clubs wanted him. Haven't seen anything from him. So there are some negatives, but uh, there are a lot of positives. Uh, you see, um, it's been such a roller coaster. You have to like focus on one or two things because there's just too much weird stuff with this club. Mm-hmm. Big positives, though. You are actively seeing Hoiberg and especially Bentoncourt like reach another level of their game. Bentoncourt has five goals this season and like mm. four assists. I never thought we both liked him when he was brought in, having mm. watched him at Juve, silky player, runs a lot, gets stuck in. Hoiberg, I always thought was just like a wrecking ball, but has way more to his game than that. They couple have really great goals this season, Hoiberg. They both have like four or five goals. Yeah. So promising Basuma stepping into the mix. Look, I think Spurs are in good hands. I feel good about them. But uh, there's some discontent with the Spurs faithful because like Arsenal, this is a club. It's weird that they're similar in this way. They always play a good style, entertaining, fun to watch. Spurs have been, frankly, terrible to watch uh, at times and were <laughs> horrible to watch under Mourinho. And it's been a long even worse under Nuno. So I don't know, a lot of mixed feelings, but I feel pretty good. And I still back him for, for top four, especially with those injuries, hopefully a little bit better second half of the season. I would say they're favorite for fourth. So if you're, if you're summarizing sounds what, right. what I've said, I would have city one, Arsenal two, Liverpool three, Spurs four at this juncture at this stage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd have United probably a Europa league spot. It's hard to count out Newcastle, honestly, with the way they've been playing. Chelsea, big fat and question Chelsea mark. Chelsea is a question mark. And Newcastle, I mean, Newcastle could be in this top four race for the, like a, like a West Ham and Leicester have been in the recency. They could be like a, that. I could see that, like where it comes down to the last day of the season type of thing. I see them like a West Ham, but with a lot more ability and like right. more, bet, much better scope to finish in the top four, actually. Because Newcastle, not only do they have that creative attacking talent, they have a defense, unlike mm-hmm. some of those West Ham teams who are yeah, going to be interesting. Uh, I think that's it for Spurs. We have all a bunch of other storylines that, you know, I don't think we're going to get to this pod because we've been going a lot of time. It's been I think a long we one. Can, we, can, we can pick a couple out. 
Southampton fired Hasenhutl. We've mm. talked about this before. Mm. It's another manager. How many is that now? Five? It, it, and it did not take a 9-0 spanking. No. <laughs> you know? It did not. No. I mean, the, Southampton, look, we knew from the beginning that this was going to be tough for them. I picked them 17th, you 18th. We knew it was going to be right around relegation for them, just given the yeah. investment and what was happening there. And they brought in Nathan Jones from God knows where in the championship. I forget. But never heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. No, never heard of him either. Nathan not a, Jones. Not a good barometer for if it'll it's work like, not, it's like a FIFA but... create a player. What's the default name? It's Nathan Jones. Right. And so that's like where you have, and yeah. I, I, I don't know, maybe there'll be a positive, like new manager balance. Like there sometimes is we'll see. To me, it reeks of like acceptance that they'll probably they're like, I think Southampton feels like they're at the end of their cycle in the Premier League, Mm -hmm. but they've always been kind of a yo-yo club through the 90s or whatever. They've been in the Premier League for a few years now. They've been here for, yeah. And they've got a good setup, great academy, always do recruit well young, but like this reeks of a year where they might go down. So I'd expect that to happen. Moving on to another team, if, if you'll you'll hear me, I got to talk about Nottingham Forest. <laughs> 21 players signed in the summer. Still the weirdest. I feel like you were just bad. so bothered by this. Like more than any, you're just like, this reeks at you. Like how many players? They I, would, I wouldn't say bothered, but I just look at that and I'm like, what? what? <laughs> you know, it's just one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um, I don't think it's quite work yet, but look it's always going to be growing pains with 21 new players. So yeah, uh, all I'll say other than that is Steve Cooper manager looked under pressure and they reacted by giving him a new contract, which that's the most bizarre thing they could have done. I don't, that I don't, so I don't mind weird. it. I don't mind I, it. Am I, I crazy? Say, I must yes, be crazy. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, Steve Cooper, Swansea legend, all that, but like, I, I don't, I think I don't getting know. 21 new players to work, that's really that's like hard. an almost impossible task, especially when it's really like hard. 21 like meh players. I, I don't I don't know if you have I mean any... you don't rate you don't rate Jesse, our boy, friend of the pod. I mean he just flamed Spurs in the well, he didn't actually play that well in the League Cup, but he did score. But like it's been a weird one. Look, to me, the weirdest thing in this Premier League season, I'm gonna lump two teams in together with this one. It's weird slash shows the power of the Premier League more than I think actually anything else. Wolverhampton Wanderers mm. and uh, who else am I thinking? Aston Villa. Mm. Bring it, sack their managers recently. Steven Gerrard, Liverpool legend, out at uh, out at Aston Villa. Yep. Um, what's his name? Bruno Lage out at Wolves. Mm. Wolves go ahead and hire Julian Lopetegui from mm. Sevilla, former Spain, former manager, for, former Spain manager, former Real Madrid of like <laughs> two months, former Porto manager, the high caliber manager taking over last place Wolves right now. Big, big statement. And I also think the fact that Atson Villa can turn around and go and get good evening. Uh, yeah, as we'd love we to say about? Unai Emery, yeah. who's a manager I really like. Two managers that I think are like not world class, but are like in that echelon just below world class. These are two managers I would probably like as a Spurs fan would probably be happy with them as my manager. Like to me, that like shows the power of the Premier League that these quote unquote lowly clubs um, who do have some money 
can get a manager like this. I mean, holy shit, you know, if, if, if there's ever a sign that the Premier League is turning into like some kind of quote unquote super league, I mean, damn, it's appointments like this that tell me that. Yeah, Wolves need to start scoring goals. So whatever Lupetegui needs to do, they have eight goals on the season, which is just hugely pathetic. I mean, they haven't really done much much under their interim manager. And you and I had talked about before under Bruno Lodge, like the Wolves just, they looked like they were playing pretty well. They just can't score for the life yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. And of course they bought a striker and he unfortunately like 10 minutes in, he like tore his ACL really, I mean, Terrible. really shitty, awful, but like Raul has been out for a minute too. It's just somehow on the Mexico world cup squad, but like, because Mexico doesn't have anyone else makes me sad. Yeah. I wolves need, wolves need to figure it out. So we'll see what Lopetegui can do. Good evening. Like two matches into his tenure, two wins. So yeah, we'll see what he can do. Uh, if it was a Gerard, because we had said, and I had like, they have way too much talent to be this bad on paper and not even just the Coutinho thing, just top to bottom in their squad. They just, they were too good to, to yeah. be where they were on the table. Uh, any other storylines leads? Heart yeah. attack club. I mean, sure. probably even more so than Tottenham. I mean, they oh my are, god, two, four, three games in the last two games. One of which they won against Burnmouth, and then this Spurs Leeds game was absolutely bonkers. I mean, those were two wins that Jesse Marsh and Leeds needed. Probably Jesse Marsh was under a ton of pressure. Goes to Anfield, wins massive win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bournemouth to come back to find himself. He needed those points. Um, Losing against Spurs isn't by itself, uh, you know, isn't like a terrible result. Leeds were playing, I thought, pretty good attacking football for good stretches of that I, match, for sure. Yeah, me but too. They, you know, he needs to work on the defense, for sure, just like a Bielsa thing. I mean, it's uh, good. It's championship-level defense, man. It's, it's not it's good. Bad. And uh, like for, off for all they Spurs started is... off better, but it's just not been good. For all Spurs is good playing the second half against against Leeds this last weekend. That missed tackle from Robin Cock, I think it was mm. on on like on the Kulisevsky, that terrible, terrible. What I will say though is, I mean, we'll get to Jesse March. I actually think the American players on a personal level, I think, have been two of their standout players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tyler Adams is like the only player in the squad that brings a level of calm. <laughs> to this like absolute chaos ball. Um, and I think Brendan Aronson, there's a reason why the fans, he, he's like clearly one of the Leeds fans' favorite players. I think he definitely has another level to hit by adding a lot more goal contributions. Oh, sure. But as a Premier League player, in terms of energy, cheekiness, I mean, he was hitting Spurs players with the Megs and stuff like that. And I've been watching Leeds all season and he's been doing that. So it's no fluke. Um, he has a number seven jersey. And it's for a reason. Um, so I've been I've been happy with with the American players' performances. Oh, for sure. And he just turned twenty two. So there's a lot of young players that he can he can have. And Adams, I, I mean, you and I love Tyler Adams for sure. So one of the sh- absolute shoe ins for the U.S. starting eleven. Oh, I th- you and I talked. He's their most important player. I think so. I would argue. I think more so, so than Pulisic, which I think casuals would be uh surprised to see i think last thing i'll bring up and then i'll turn it over to you uh anything else high level you want to bring up everton mm. lampard mm-hmm. a little bit under pressure i would say you know we bring out the ramen meter every every now and again on this pod and i think we said last time it's like oh it's too early to bring it out and then you know hassan hotel gets fired uh so you never know <laughs> in mm-hmm. this premier league watch lampard the stove is on 
That's all I'm going to say. The stove it, is on. Especially last last weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. getting spanked by Burnmouth just sounds as bad as it actually is. <laughs> um, this Burnmouth team scores some goals, though. I mean, maybe we can, maybe that's like our recap of Burnmouth. It's been a, it, interesting, but they score goals. But the end of this game, Justin, I don't know if you saw this, but the fans like were so angry about the performance that they had to be separated from the players by like police. I didn't it, see it. It was like a very aggressive kind of like pretty uncomfortable looking thing with like, I think I saw Alex Awobi like throw a Jersey at a fan or something. It looks pretty ugly. And to me that like, it's not a good look. And we've been talking about lamps under pressure all season and it kind of seems to have come out of nowhere, but if you get spanked by Burmuth like that, that's what that's, I just don't think the squad is very good. So I, I don't know what, whatever. I don't know. It's a tough decision, but um, anything else on Everton for you? Cause there, there are one, I think we're moving so quickly. There are one or two things that I seem think are still interesting with the other teams. Uh, nothing for Everton. Bournemouth, the team that won, uh, is rumored to be having, oh, uh, yeah discussions with Marcelo Bielsa would just turn that team into fucking chaos from like trying to be pragmatic into chaos. So I'm here for it. I mean, Bournemouth are super boring. So like, let's, let's see it. You know, I thought you were joking when you sent that to the group chat. And then I heard a pretty, I saw a pretty reliable reporters talking about on like NBC. And I I just, I can't believe this is a real. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Rumor. Um, I want to put some attention real quick on Two of the absolute overachieving clubs so far that I think are very interesting. Uh, Got to talk about Brighton in seventh place and then Fulham in, I think, ninth place. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Brighton is interesting because fantastic start under Graham Potter. So good that he gets sniped by Chelsea. Um, bring in little-known Roberto De Zerbi, Italian manager, coming straight off, hot, the, hot off the presses from... Shakhtar Donetsk, yes, in Ukraine, uh, fled that shit as soon as he could get out. After having a Sassuolo team in Italy, who was one of the most similar to Napoli now, but with much less success, just in terms of, or Atalanta maybe is a good example, just free-flowing, attacking, exciting, in a league that is not known for that, in a footballing culture not known for that at all in Italy. Deserbi comes in. You see a lot more of the same with Brighton, but I feel like he's added an edge to their game. They seem to be scoring a lot more goals, basically. And yes, you have like Trossard growing in stature, looks a really good player, but um, I'm liking so far this Deserby in in Brighton uh, marriage so far. I don't think they can push for European places, but they're not far from it, I don't think, actually. I think they'll finish top half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're impressive to watch. Trissard has been fun to watch too. Fun to watch, and I don't know. I think we could see Trossard get a sub in the World Cup. I mean, that's oh yeah, I think Belgian so. Attack, yeah, I think so. I think he no. gets on and gets some minutes. Seriously, uh, snub for England. We've talked about it. Ivan Tony, ten goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gonna feel a little disrespected about that. Brentford. I mean. Nice mid-table season going. I mean, this is a Brentford team that, you know, came up last season, had some ups and downs, but I, I love their fans, their stadium, their Same. their attacking philosophy. I, I I love them in the Premier League. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know I mentioned Fulham quickly. I feel like we've talked about them. I'll just reiterate uh, Alexander Mitrovic, a.k.a. Human Sausage. You'll see him at the World Cup. Serbia, Mm. great forward partnership with Vlaovic. That is dangerous up top. But he's got nine goals, man. Nine goals this season. Yep. Good for him. Um, I think the final mention to cap this all off because it's been a long one. We've talked a lot about Leicester. When yes, Leicester we were in the doldrums. My boys. Last place looked terrible. Everyone talking about um, Brandon Rogers or manager is going to get sacked. You and I were always skeptical. Me is like, I, I always thought, I, I, I will go as far to say they'll never have a better manager than Brandon Rogers. That was the thing. Like, I was like, man, I don't know. It's so terrible. But like, who are you going to hire that's better? That was always my thing. It was just too early to make that decision for me. And now, out of nowhere, Leicester in 12th place, scoring goals for fun, look a lot more solid at the back. James Madison has been one of the players of the season. Made it into the England squad even, even into stubborn-ass uh, Gareth Southgate's squad. And yeah, good for them. I mean, he's them. been he's been really good this season. I mean, some of his free kicks have been out of this world. But here's the thing with Leicester. I mean, goal scoring, surprisingly, you would think it's been a problem just because of the downfall of Jamie Vardy. Like, Not just absolutely ran into the, the cliff of Moore, basically. <laughs> just lost <laughs> all form. But here... You have James Madison Square. You have like Tielemans. They have this set piece routine where they just lob it up on a corner and he almost scores. Like he's almost scored three of those. I mean, it's been insane. Tielemans? Yeah. Tielemans. Hitting the bangers. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, James Madison. And so it's like, I think, I don't know how to pronounce it. The Vout phase. As long as he can get a little bit more in the Belgian center center back. back. Yeah. um, He's not good. You start to see him a little more comfortable, a little more minutes for Castagna. Maybe Justin gets a little better. Mm-hmm. They can be they can be a mid table team, and I think you've seen that that come out in recent weeks. So they need to keep that. They don't have much depth, but as long as you know these players continue their form and their defense mainly shores mm-hmm. it up a little bit, I think you know I think they're yeah okay. yeah they've still got some surgery to do, but in the near term, I mean, I'd go for a keeper. Yeah, uh yes for like a starting keeper they uh, might have the worst keep starting keeper in the i i think so um i mean if burnmouth have a former barcelona keeper with neto then come on lester you can do better <laughs> uh i think they'll at least get one more body at center back for the numbers uh i still think they need a striker long term tielemans is going to leave probably need to beef up the midfield so they got surgery to do but look that, that squad has always been good enough to get out of the relegation zone and just like that within like a month, like since we last were on the pod, they're like out of the relegation zone. Like, yeah. So weird. It's weird how that works, especially early season. Form is such a thing in this sport. I mean, kind of like how basketball, like the flow of the game just swings so wildly in a single game, but with, with, with soccer, just over the course of just two to three games, it can all change. So that's why it's never dull. Well, Obviously, we've mentioned Premier League is not on until Boxing Day. It's the day after Christmas for all of you Americans. But that does not necessarily mean we will be on hiatus until then. Not promising dates because we still are figuring out how often and when. But we will definitely make at least an appearance during the World Cup. Maybe multiple. We will figure it out. But Kyle, since the World Cup starts on Sunday, and we are definitely not recording before Sunday... Who do you have winning 
the World Cup. I, uh, you and I were talking about this before going live. Uh, I definitely agree with all the pundits that Brazil is the favorite, but, but I have a weird romantic feeling about Argentina. Messi at age 37 with his last, last opportunity. He's not Ronaldo, so I don't see him playing when he's like over 40. <laughs> With the most balanced Argentina squad. Yeah, there are some there's some shortcomings and holes in that squad, but the most balanced Argentina squad with two very good center defenders. Um, I think they can go all the way. And and you keep saying they're on a crash course with Brazil in the final. Talk about spicy. All the if you watch Premier League, everyone will talk about European teams. I think this champ, the next champion will be South American. I, Brazil and Argentina are the favorites for me. And I think Uruguay might be sneaky good. That's my pick. Who you got? You know, we don't agree. Maybe we agree a lot, but I agree. I, I am in on Argentina. I think the balance that they have, it's not a messy thing. You know, because Messi has definitely been better in previous tournaments, but just the balance that Argentina has. Don't disrespect him. He's 35. Oh, 35. So. Sorry. Ronaldo's 37. <laughs> Sorry. I was he's like, still, which freak, he's... which freak in nature are we talking about? Yeah. So it's a sh- it's 10 shoe size of being 5'7. You know, he's got big feet. Hey, but... he's he's my size, like exactly down to the T. <laughs> it gives me hope in life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you're going to get to his level, sir. But no, no. yeah, I, I think that the Taro and the midfield and Romero and just the balance that they have top to bottom is going to suit them really well. I don't think they have a hard group for them. I think Mexico's down. I'm not high on yeah. Poland. No. Uh, yeah. I, I would just love, would love to see Messi win a World Cup. Oh, my gosh. To I, go I don't. Out. Likely his last one, to your point. So just to go out and the greatest player of our lifetime, Kyle. Yes. I mean, yes, we've seen like some better, I would say better seasons of players. Like we've been alive and we were young, but for the Ronaldinhos and the Ronaldo, the man. other Ronaldo. Ronaldo, Ronaldo, for yeah, the record. Brazil, the, Ronaldo. The weird haircut, Ronaldo. Um, Best World Cup appearance of our lifetimes. Of 2002, our lifetimes. Ronaldo. Unbelievable. And, and we were still pretty young for that. Um, nine and eight, probably respectively. But Messi, for the entirety of a career, has been the best player we've seen. Yeah, and I don't think that's, I think you and I are pretty aligned there. I mean, yes, it's more to playing soccer than goals scored. And he does, he does everything. Well, that's my so. thing about Ronaldo versus Messi. Ronaldo, the stats and the mentality, unbelievable. You cannot argue, but the eye test, Messi is an alien. He's magic. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. We, yeah. What yes. more can you say about him? Yes. I, it just, it, he, he, I would just love to, I would love to see it as much as I want to see Brazil back at the pinnacle of the game. Cause it's been 20 years, like, which feels weird, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's something about, I just seeing Messi lift that world cup would just be, would just be magic. So look, I think Brazil, Argentina, France, probably the favorites. Yep. Right. I mean, 
Oh, sorry. I would be wrong, though. I am actually wrong. Uh, they would not be on a crash course for the final. If mm. Brazil and Argentina both win their groups, they would meet in the semifinal. Oof. Oof. So. Spicy. Watch out for that. Um, dark heated, horses. Heated rivalry, by the way, in case you didn't know. With a dark lot of horses history. for this tournament. Uh, watch out. If, if Mane is healthy, Senegal could have a good path to this mm-hmm. to the quarterfinals. You watch got out any for, other dark horses? Watch out for Denmark. Yes, sir. Uh, your dark horse for the Euro. Um, they drew a group with France, which I think they could win. Yeah. Uh, but if they if they win that group, they would likely play a Mexico and or, or Mexico or Poland in that spot. Mm-hmm. Watch for Denmark to make the quarterfinals as well, and maybe even the semis, given mm-hmm. their path to the World Cup. Some disappointments to watch for. Watch for Germany to struggle. Not a real attacking presence, not a striker. Uh, they have some players, of course, but given the group, Spain, again, Spain trying to find themselves, had a good Euro showing last year. They have yeah. a lot of talent, young talent yeah. on the Spanish squad. Costa Rica, not a great team, but they have Kaylor Navas. They have some players. It's going to be tough. They're not. They're mm-hmm. probably not going to get blown out. And so watch for Costa Rica to make it tiring on these squads and watch out for Japan. Mm. Japan is a dangerous team to make the round of 16. We've seen these group of deaths before, you know, Mm. Oh, this team doesn't have a chance. Costa Rica, 2014 won the group. Oh, these teams don't have a chance. You know, I mean, Korea uh, made it out of group of death last, last world cup, right? Uh, No, no, Sweden, Sweden, Sweden. and Mm -hmm. uh, Mexico. They made it out. So Sweden right. made it to the court to the quarterfinals. No one had that, right? And so watch out for these teams. So Germany disappointment. Watch out for England to be a disappointment. Yeah. And there's so much talent. We cover the Premier League on this podcast. Scare Southgate is not a great manager. He's overly, he's pragmatic to a fault and doesn't make the most of this squad. So watch out for this team who was on bad form in the summer to not have it all together. So yeah, I don't know if you have any surprises or disappointments that are different. So to sum that up, Denmark and Senegal, maybe a little Japan as well mm-hmm. as dark horses, Germany, England disappointments. I agree with Senegal and Denmark as dark horses. I made a quick reference to it earlier, but I will throw in Uruguay into that mm. mix. Uruguay has some nice talent, Darwin Nunez, Luis Suarez, Edith Nikfani, a weird mix of very old and mm-hmm. young and promising. I love their midfield of Benson Core and Fede Valverde. Valverde, by the way, talk about a player oh, hitting another level. Yeah. Wow. Um, and having old man Godin it back, um, I feel a lot better with Jose Jimenez from Atletico Madrid, I think is an excellent, excellent center back. So Uruguay is my other dark horse. Disappointments. You you mentioned a big team in 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 Germany. I'm gonna throw in France, and there's mm. not really any logic to it because if you look at the squad on paper, them in Brazil, the best on paper. France has this bizarre cadence in World Cups, though, where they <laughs> are amazing and win it, and then they're terrible and crash out at the group stage, and then they win it at the next time. And they're on that cadence to be terrible in this one. But look, 
they're insanely stacked, but I, I just got a weird feeling something might not work out for France. Um, <clears throat> trying to think, I, I totally agree with you on England. Oh, okay. I got another dark horse, but they might be a little too big to be considered a dark horse. I'm going to throw the Netherlands into the mix. Yeah. I think missed the last major tournament. Mm -hmm. Did they miss the Euros too? No, they they made the Euros, I think. I think they were there. I'll double check, but keep going. Um, yes, they might struggle for goals. They're going to start up with uh, Memphis Depay and Steven Bergwijn up top, former Tottenham legend, uh, JK, but actually have a soft spot for Bergwijn. But um, always play great style have excellent center backs. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for that. Um, and then I'll just give you one more. I think Belgium are going to disappoint. I think the golden generation of Belgium football is going to fall short. Pretty much all the good players on that team are either 30 years old and in their prime near the end of their prime or are past it. And Lukaku's going in the world cup injured. So and they're relying on old man at center back with Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld. So um, for all their talent, I think Belgium's number one in the world right now. Maybe Brazil's number one and Belgium's two, but I see them disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, so Netherlands, you agree with my dark horses. You're adding Netherlands to it, which are a big team, but they lost yeah, the Czech Republic big. in the Euros uh, in the round of 16, if you remember. they got. Yep. Uh, I think they got Patrick Schicht. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Belgium to the I could see it, but my problem with Belgium is that I think they have too easy of a group in a path. Yeah, they do. Whereas I forgot to mention my last disappointment is Croatia. I mm. think that yeah, Luka Modric, you saw them in the World Cup, they played brilliantly. I still think Luka is an amazing player, but yeah, I think they're an old squad, an aging squad, they don't have the attacking threat that they did. No. Uh, four years ago and especially the defensive depth and speed so i watch for croatia to not even make it out of their group yeah i mean they're only good like young up-and-coming players uh Gvardiol from leipzig amazing prospect right. a center good. back yeah. um but that being said perisic modric rosevich all the itches they're all they're all old so um yeah last final thought the only way to end this podcast in my opinion I will go on record saying the U.S. are going to make it out of their group and they're going to beat England. They're going to beat England and those red coats are just going to hate it. Mm. Yeah, that's, I'm that's for that. Black Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Boston Tea Party 2.0. Come on. Oh, I can't wait for that. Well, it'll be fun. We'll be back in some form or fashion. USA play Wales Monday. November 21st, 11 a.m. Make sure you block off your work schedule. You do something. It's on Fox. It is also streaming on Peacock for all of you, those uh, cable cutters, because uh, Peacock and NBC own the Spanish language rights. So it would be in Spanish. So if you need to stream the game, much easier on Peacock. If you need to watch the game, it's on with, what was it, John Strong and Stu Holden on Fox. Oh, John Strong's doing it. Okay. Good, yeah. good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's the Fox crew. As long sure. as Rob Stone isn't there, which he probably will be. And so Rob will Stone is uh, Rob Stone is on the like the like the studio. So like I, he'll oh, okay, host that's it unfair. with Alexi Lawless. And, oh god, yeah, that's them. that's the one. Alexi Lawless. Yeah. But <laughs> Alexi Lawless and 
I don't know, a bunch of other people. Chad Ochocinco is part of that. No um, way. Yeah. No way. It's part of like the, not like the commentators, but like in the studio. Analyst. What is the American obsession with getting non soccer <laughs> people that like, look, Steve Nash is a Spurs fan, but Bleacher Report has oh, Steve Nash the, doing it. it? And I'm like, Reports. why? <laughs> yeah. And as a, he's a Spurs guy, but still, I'm like, why? I don't get any, anyway, whatever. Uh, some of the other World Cup announcers, uh, you might remember him from the ESPN days of having the World Cup, but Ian Dark is going yeah, is, is to be on some World Cup games for Fox, which, which I think is good. I think he's a really good uh, mm-hmm. announcer. Classic announcer. Uh, Derek Ray, you might know him. Yeah. He does a lot of he's the good. German uh, games on ESPN Plus because he can speak German as well. Like Ian Dark, he's a good like a voice, I guess, uh-huh. right? Uh, play by think- play. Yeah, Derek. Uh, JP Della Camera. He does a lot of the oh, women's yeah, games. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. I think. Yeah, um, former player. Mm-hmm. Match analysts are Stu Holden, Landon Donovan. Uh, That's cool. Ali Wagner, Kobe Jones, Warren Barton. Kobe Jones. And then is, studio is, analysts. Is our boy uh, Clint Dempsey going to be doing anything? I don't think so, because he's on um, Paramount. He's doing the he's, Champions League yeah, stuff. CBS. I got to get the Texas uh, twang up in there. Come on. And then studio analysis analysts are Lexi Lawless, Carly Lloyd, mm. Chad Ochocinco. Oh, Clint Dempsey is joining. He's going to make an appearance. You know, it's an interesting crew, I got to say. Clint Dempsey, Maurice Adu, uh, Enia Luko. I don't know who that is. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Is. I think it's a female player. Yeah. Who's really good for England. Yeah, must- what I will say, though, uh, I think this by far in terms of TV viewership, I, I think this is the, the U.S. Is, this is the most all in the U.S. like TV viewership is going to be watching the World Cup in our lifetime. Like, like easily, I think. Because 2014, uh, ESPN had it and that's the last time U.S. was in it. Um, and, you know, soccer's only grown since then. 2018. I Fox think that was, was only really the beginning. I think that's the year when yeah. NBC acquired the Premier League rights. And since mm-hmm. then, like because of the Premier League and, and and NBC and their coverage, like viewership of the game and the US, like you never hear stuff about people, you know, shitting on soccer like they used to. You don't really right, hear it anymore. Not as much. So. Uh, gained a lot and Ted Lasso hasn't hurt either. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you have Fox going all out. They have their brand new studio on the in Doha and the whole thing and a lot of media presence in Doha too. I mean, Al Jazeera is from there, so I'm sure they've got some nice studio spaces. I'm sure they they the Fox like built it. It's like on oh, I see main square or whatever there. Like Fox had theirs in Russia because the last World Cup was in Russia. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like you had a view of like the Kremlin and stuff. That's right. But of course, the U.S. wasn't there. Wonder where they're gonna like put their headquarters for the next World Cup, whatever. Probably New York or probably LA. Probably New York. Yeah. I mean, New LA York. is where all their studios are right now, but. I mean, what Paramount was able to do in recent weeks, getting that like uh, field uh, along Brooklyn Bridge Park. Yeah. With that view of Manhattan. Oh, that would be like the perfect place. And they would fly all the like, for, uh, they would fly like Jamie Carragher and Michael Richards there right. every weekday. That's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. Big bucks. Yeah. Big bucks these days. All right. Are we, are we done? Anything else we can need to cover? Yeah. Uh, the beefer. It's been a long one, but um, I mean, this this is like one of the busiest like soccer days uh, in recent memory, you know, right. uh, crazy cram packed 
never-ending drama of the Premier League and then like a week turnaround before the World Cup. I mean, there have been a ton of issues and controversies about mm. injuries and overworking players, putting all that in, in workers' rights and things yeah. like that in Qatar. A ton of issues, a lot to dig into. Suggest you read about it in The Athletic or New York Times or whatever. But all of that to the side, I'm still so excited for this World Cup. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we'll be back at some point. Make sure you subscribe and follow us uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will be back during the World Cup. And I usually say a go a team at the end of this. Go USA. Come on, baby. Come on. <laughs>